You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. We're after a worship collective, which is to encourage us as a community to go on this journey of worship. So part of that vision is if people uh, fancy not signing up to spend the rest of their life leading worship on a Sunday morning, but uh, are interested in um, being part of that journey and maybe uh, coming along and singing in a practice, or uh, you can play spoons surprisingly well in your own kitchen, but you think that that might add a little bit to the percussion. Um, uh, come on the journey with us. And, uh, but I'd really like to thank uh, Ashley for filling in for the last two weeks, and for, for Paula and for Ruth. Really do appreciate it. Really encouraged by the whole um, humility and unity in the, the Worship Collective and what it's bringing. Something, we've lost something uh, on the other side of COVID, uh, which we had before. Um, I can't quite articulate it, but there's something not there that's good for it not to be there, and it's not because we were bad or sinful. It's just something has come out the other side, which I, I find encouraging. Uh, we seem to be in it and after it more than we, we've ever been, so let's continue to be in it and after it and see where it takes us. Can we reduce that a wee bit? It sounds, my end, it sounds very boomy. Um, so, uh, we're going to continue our theme of Psalm 23, and this is based on Psalm 23, but also on Dallas Willard's uh, writing in uh, Life Without Lack, a book that I would uh, highly recommend. And uh, there is going to be quite a lot of repetition over, over the, the, the weeks about what we are uh, talking about and encouraging it to come on the journey with, and there, there's a, a, a reason for that, and we want to reinforce so we get it, but also because each verse of Psalm 23 is interconnected with the, uh, the next verse and the preceding verse, particularly verse 1. So let me remind you these very famous uh, words from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalm is a progressive layering on the reality and truth of the opening verse that is, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is mine. Present tense, he is mine. And I quoted Dallas Willard last week who said, the Lord is my shepherd is a sentiment carved on the tombstones more often than a reality written in lives. And I shared last week about how I've got this 
expansion of not only chasing down the truth in a planet, but actually getting that reality of what it says that we live it and we journey with it so that we don't go absolutely 100% and we agree with the truth and we have an intellectual assent to the truth, but we don't actually apply it in our lives. So, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. So, if he is my present tense shepherd, then I shall not want, I shall not be in lack. And Colin said, it is possible to feeling lack and want while not perceiving God's provision nor fully acknowledging the benefit of it. A personal unmet expectation often robs us of the joy of God's provision. You see, the shepherd thinks so much differently from us. Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. To be able to think differently, you and I have got to die to our self-interest. And the only way we can die in a healthy way is to yield ourselves to the leadership of the shepherd, Jesus. And as Dallas Willard says, it's not death of self, it's death to self. So it's about removing the dominance of our soul to have our own way, to do our own thing, the, the mind, the will, and the emotions, but allowing the leadership of our spirit to the spirit leading us in the way of the shepherd. So, we've got a progressive layering. The Lord is my shepherd. He is mine. Therefore, I shall not want. I will not be in lack. And because I am voluntary, voluntarily submitted to my shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. Talked last week, the picture of provision, rest, safety, peace, satisfaction. And all this is available now and really attainable. Not as some aspiration, but now. Really attainable. And we are seeking to raise the bar from our intellectual ascent, as I said a minute ago, to the truth, to its application, which is an attainable, experiential reality. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. I really do lie down in green pastures and I'm led by quiet waters above and beyond my circumstances, whether good or bad, shaken or steady. I, we can experience provision, rest, safety, peace, satisfaction. That's the promise. That's the attainable available reality. But if we struggle with the now availability and the, the real attainability of these verses, then they are exposing the deficiencies, inconsistencies, and disconnects involving our history or our spirit or our soul or the enemy. And if that's the case, and we're going to have to keep doing that as we go through this verse, we're going to back up or the, the psalm, we've got to back up to verse 1 and ask ourselves the question, 
He is my shepherd. He is mine. If that is the case, then why is there these disconnects, these inconsistencies, these deficiencies in the reality of that? And we've got to ask the question. Because if we don't ask the question, then all the following verses are essentially corrupted. If he's not really, really my shepherd, then all the promises then don't fit because we will voluntarily, voluntarily, must stop using that word, voluntarily submit to his leadership and then we can experience the green pastures and the quiet waters. But if we struggle with him being our shepherd, then we can't access that. So we've got to find out what the, what's going on. We've got to ask ourselves, am I not trusting him the way I should be? Am I not voluntarily submitted to him the way I should be? Ask the Spirit as a result of our convicted response, what's going on? Ask him now and keep asking him and we'll get an answer. So today's text is verse 3a. He restores my soul. Restores is the most common word in, in that verse in all the different translations, but it's also translated as refreshes, renews, revives, strengthens, makes me whole again. So let's take a look at what we understand or think restoration might be. So we've got worldly restoration, the likes of the National Trust, the likes of Dennis lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona has the greatest number of vintage cars per head of population than the entire United States. And the reason for that is because their uh, humidity level is like less than 5%. If you look at the humidity meter, it looks so the, the, the thing's broken because it just hangs at sort of zero. Um, so there's no rust, there's no salt in the roads. There's no, uh, but in America, there's a whole culture about the, what they call the muscle cars from the 50s and 60s. And you can actually get a wreck and rebuild it with the original parts that uh, from some uh, 1957 Chevy that uh, uh, the, I don't even know parts of cars, but the, the engine blocks in, in uh, Philadelphia and uh, uh, the hubs are in Los Angeles and get it all together. Dennis is really into that and has done that on a number of cars. So basically the, the restoration at its best, National Trust or Dennis fixing up a car brings it back to its former glory, brings it back to the way it was, right? But often when we talk about in the world about uh, restoration, we're talking about um, maybe recycling or upcycling or we get out the chalk paint and we slap it all over the wicker chairs and, you know, ta-da, I restored that, you know? Uh, and actually, uh, it might be an improvement, but it is nothing like its former glory, right? Uh, and then we incorporate that all into the context of a worldview that has a built-in obsolescence. And that's actually a, a term uh, which is defined as a policy of deliberately planning or designing a product with, finite, with a finite lifespan so it will become obsolete or non-functional after a certain period. Cars, computers, and software are good examples of products with built-in obsolescence. Apparently, TVs and washing machines aren't. Um, but there are uh, uh, urban legends about Apple. Um, they, they build in a, a, 
basically the, your, your batteries will, will run out. Uh, and certainly when my son John started to work with Apple, they never gave everything. Uh, they were constantly given about 90% of what they could actually give you because they wanted to improve and, roll, and then you get rid of your old phone. So the, 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 although we have the, the effect of the, the, the protecting our planet now much more than we ever had, there is this context in which we live where, you know, if, if it's broken or it's not working, we just, we just throw it away. We just forget about it and get something new, right? So that's the worldly uh, view of restoration. Biblical restoration in God's economy is always over and beyond in greater quantity and quality than the original state. Right? Let me read that again. God's economy in biblical restoration, it is about over and beyond in greater quantity and quality than the original state. Ultimately demonstrated, uh, mankind's restoration through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 in the Amplified says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. And it's ultimately fulfilled in a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, 1 to 4, 1 to 5 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The ultimate restoration. What might my shepherd's restoration look like in our lives? How we ponder about that? How we vision what that might look like in your life? And whatever you come up with, it's Biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, it's going to be over and beyond that because the, the definition of God's restoration is over and beyond. His ways and His thoughts are higher. So we're thinking, I, I wish this could be fixed or this could be better or that or the other thing. But actually, in His economy, it's over and beyond what we thought possible. The title of today's message is Real Restoration now, the present tense now. The invitation, the truth, and the attainable experiential reality is that the shepherd, my shepherd, mine, can restore me now. Now, let me put a wee a couple of little notes into that. 
First of all, I'm not talking about a false positive reality. This is real and it's attainable to us. It's also not an instant zap transformation, but it's a progressive, ongoing, voluntary submission to the Spirit's influence in us and on us. Paul in uh, Philippines 1.6 says in the Amplified, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ, the time of his return. All our days, until he returns or until we go to be with him, we are a work in progress. And the more work that can be progressed is uh, directly dependent on our ability, ability to voluntarily submit to him being my shepherd, being mine. It's also not a worldly restoration, a recycling, upcycling to something a bit better uh, than the brokenness or the disappointment that we've experienced in our lives. And it's most certainly not a built-in obsolescence. We kind of gave it a go and we blew it and we have to settle for the consequences of what we did or what was done to us. It's just the way it is. It's not about that. Uh, this week, uh, it was another glorious day like that on Thursday. We went to a beautiful wedding. Uh, it was just, uh, if you were planning a wedding, like all the boxes were taken, just, it just went so well. Also, they'd come out of the possibility that it could be 15 or maybe it could be 25. But as things loosened up, um, uh, they, I don't think they had the, the full amount, but they had a, a lot of people there and it was a, a great time. But when you went in for the meal, you got to the, the wedding table planner and on that planner you could see where you were sitting and when you got to your table there was my name handwritten edged with gold leaf we as sons and daughters of the king have our names on a on a table planner we have a handwritten blood-bought name that is ours. We have a place at the table. It's time to get a vision for that. It's a time to now embrace the fact that we have a place. Let's take it. But as stated last week, if you struggle with, he brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love, uh, Song of Songs 2-4, that picture, that vision, that I actually am qualified, I am worthy because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to sit at the table. I have a place that's only for me. If we struggle with that concept, then what again it's doing is it's exposing deficiencies, inconsistencies, disconnects, maybe from our history, our spirit, our soul from the enemy. And we've got to back up and ask ourselves and assess, what am I missing about? If the Lord is my shepherd, I don't know whether I've got a, a place to sit at the table. If the Lord is mine, I don't know whether there is actually 
you know, I'm sort of in the, in the vicinity. Maybe I get invited to the evening reception. Maybe I get to stand at the church and watch it all happen. But I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know about that seat thing. You know, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a particularly good person. I've had a rough life. Or after what's happened to me, I've, I'm basically disqualified from sitting at that seat. If that's the case, you've got to ask yourself. You've got to let the Spirit engage with your spirit and reveal and convict you of why there's an inconsistency there when the truth so clearly says that he died to make us new his he has invited us to his banqueting table and his banner over us is love is he really my shepherd mine and what am i not trusting him in what am i not fully and voluntarily submitting to to let him be my shepherd so that I can experience the now reality of being able to sit at the banqueting table, to not have to hope that somebody will give me some food, but to have all this food in front of me so I can feast at the celebration of what he has done. Not so I can get uh, massively overweight and gorge myself, but because of what happens to me, I can then invite other people to accept the invitation that he's given me to sit at their place because they're in relationship with him. As the saying goes, which sort of uh, falls down with all analogies, uh, just beggars showing other beggars where, where to get uh, food. Well, let's raise the bar on that. We're invited to an eternal banquet which starts now, the fullness, the full restoration of the shepherd right now. Let's raise the bar on that. Let's be after that. Let's be seeking to engage with the Spirit and with my shepherd who restores my soul now. Do not settle for anything less. Will you please stand with me? Ruth and Paula and Ashley. I have some questions for your response. Do you have a substandard, deceptive, worldly view of restoration, and therefore you're missing God's standard and invitation to wholeness and Christ-likeness? As a child of God, do you struggle with your place and the blood-bought right to sit at his table? And are you convicted to voluntarily submit to the Spirit's work in progress in your life, his progressive, ongoing restoration? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, if you're comfortable, I encourage you to come to the front. We're not going to lay hands or anything like that on you. If you're not comfortable with that, but you want to respond to that, just take a step forward. We're going to worship and then I'm going to minister. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.